Four years after the ruling on O'Bannon's case, Alston vs. the NCAA is the latest chapter in the antitrust saga against the College Athletic Association. Professor Mike McCann dives into it in his Sports Illustrated article and here. This is the UNH Law Podcast. Learn more about the law school and apply by visiting law.unh.edu. Opinions discussed are solely the opinion of the faculty or host and do not constitute legal advice or necessarily represent the official views of the University of New Hampshire. It looks like U.S. District Court Judge Claudia Wilkin isn't quite done with the NCAA. Uh, What's this case about? Yeah, sure. So she was a judge, as you mentioned, AJ, in the O'Bannon case, and she is now hearing a class action lawsuit over the legality of limiting athletic scholarships to basically full tuition room board. It's called the grant and aid. So the idea is that athletic scholarships are linked to the same value as academic scholarships. There is an argument that this is illegal. And the, the argument is this. The NCAA and its members, including our employer and including 1,300 other schools and conferences, the idea is that they've all joined hands in an anti-competitive conspiracy to limit the value of scholarships to this cap. So for players that are really good, star maybe football players or basketball players that could go to college and their presence would sell tickets and increase TV ratings, and help with digital media and all of that, admissions, uh, alumni fundraising. There are certain players that are just worth more than a full ride to college. So is it possible that when the NCAA says you can't pay more, and the NCAA members say, okay, we won't, that that's that's an antitrust conspiracy? Because what would the top recruit get what would the, the next great high school quarterback, if he's being pursued by Alabama and USC and Florida and Miami, go down the list of some of the bigger programs, Ohio State, Penn State, what would he get? Well, he would like, I presume, to be able to say, OK, Penn State, you offer me two times the value of tuition. And then Miami says, we'll offer you three. And then Alabama, of course, comes in and says, well, we're the best program. We'll pay you six times. And there's a bidding war. Well, that's a competitive marketplace, right? That's how the, the economy, that's how, our, that's how capitalism works. The idea is that you, know, you, you get what you, you get. Uh, you have competitive bidding process. So the NCAA says no, that, that will yeah, betray. Yeah. It, it seemed, to me, it seems like this is one of those weird gray areas where you kind of fight like, oh, these are academic institutions. How much are we going to treat the athletic program like a pro league, basically? Yeah, although you could say this. So it, you, you're right. And it, it does sort of take on the, the resemblance of a pro league. But the money is there because it's being spent on other things. It's being spent on the $10 million a year coach. It's being spent on sponsorship money coming the, in. The multi-hundred million dollar stadium and arena and training facilities that rival pro teams. And moreover, if you really want to extend the point, you could say colleges compete for faculty. They compete for university presidents. They compete for deans where they have to sometimes get into bidding wars for them. I mean, colleges aren't averse to competition until it comes to the players, right? Then suddenly it's, we can't compete. And that I think raises some suspicion. Are there any other organizations like the NCAA where there are kind of these restrictions like this? Seems like college sports are very unique in this. Yeah. College sports really are unique, especially in our country where we, we're very suspicious of these kinds of models where competing businesses join hands to limit competition. That traditionally, really ever since the Sherman Act came into existence, we don't like that, that that's not Capitalism. I mean, capitalism is based on the idea that there's competition and that if there's one company that owns everything, or in this case, maybe even worse, you have multiple companies that are supposed to be competitors, 
but they're actually joining hands to not compete. I mean, I always say to my students, what happens if tomorrow Walmart, Best Buy, uh, Target got together to say, well, let's let's divide up the country where we don't compete with each other and we can raise prices or let's all agree not to charge less than a certain amount for a product or if gas stations across town said hey you know what let's not charge more for gas let's let's not go below this that that strikes us as wrong because it is wrong right because it's not good for consumers or in the, this context it's not good for labor but one quick thing the uh judge wilkin has signaled that she's not necessarily a fan of a wide open market she believes that scholarships for athletics should still be tethered to academics in some way. Now, we don't know exactly what that means, but it suggests it goes to your the concern you enunciated, which is it can't just be like a pro league. How is this? Uh, do you feel this is an extension of O'Bannon? In some ways it is. I mean, the, certainly it relies on O'Bannon because the O'Bannon decision dictated that the NCAA and its members violated antitrust law when they denied players the chance for compensation when they appear in video games, when they appear in classic broadcasts and things like that. So the, the and also it's in the same jurisdiction. So it has sort of added presidential value. It's it's actually binding on Judge Wilkin and she's also the judge. Now it went up to appeal. The appeal, the appellate court of the Ninth Circuit changed the remedy in Obama, but it affirmed that the NCAA and its members are violating antitrust law when they get together to say players can't get compensation for X. So it's similar in that vein. It's different in that it's tackling the scholarship which O'Bannon case was not about. O'Bannon case was, again, about uh, names, images, and likeness, intellectual property, whereas this case is about the compensation under a a financial aid to student-athletes. So it's a different... It's a different vein of the same body. Are they kind of hoping for the court to outline where the line should be? Or does Alston and his attorneys have a definite line they're hoping to get to? Yeah, that, that's a great question because that goes back to the O'Bannon case where Judge Wilkins' decision got criticized by the appellate court. So Judge Wilkin decided that the appropriate amount of money that players should get up to in terms of the maximum they could get when they were in video games and things like that would be $5,000 a year. And it wasn't entirely clear where their number came from. Uh, and it immediately struck suspicion that it would be vulnerable to appeal because it looks arguably arbitrary. I mean, it, 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 it zero is arbitrary, but so is 5,000. Why not just let people, why not let the market dictate what it should be? I think a lot of people would think that's the right answer. But uh, it came from a testimony of one of the witnesses that 5,000 might be appropriate, but it didn't have a lot of empirical support and it got knocked down by the appellate court. Same thing here. If Judge Wilkins says, well, the cap is 150,000 or 200,000, I think the same problem will exist. So my sense is that she won't do that, that she'll say the either the marketplace dictates it or it's based on, or she just simply disagrees with the player. She could say it's it should the academic scholarship should be the same as athletic. Um, but whatever it is, I don't think she's going to pick a dollar amount. I think she'll create some kind of process for that formula or formula. something. Yeah, good word, formula. Do you think this will have an impact, different impacts on larger schools versus smaller schools? So the NCAA certainly likes to suggest that it would. That the idea that suddenly smaller schools are going to go out of business with sports because they're going to have to pay athletes more money. The, the, the response to that is that it's untrue. No school, if Alston wins, no school has to pay more money to anyone. It simply means that schools will have the choice of paying more. No one is corralled into saying, here, fork over 
two million dollars. Yeah, they're to, not magically going to make no, these students multimillionaires. No, they still want to take it, care of the school itself. You got first. it. And most colleges, I don't think, will actually take advantage of this. And these students are going to be gone in for yeah. up two to four years, depending on when they get, they start in the program. It's not. It doesn't compel anyone to pay anything. What it does, it might force some schools to rethink. Maybe we shouldn't pay our coaches ten million. Maybe they should only get eight million. I mean, things like that. But no school will be compelled to pay anything. When is a ruling expected to come through on this? Well, the trial will end later this month and probably looking at six to eight weeks thereafter for a ruling. It will then be immediately appealed to the Ninth Circuit. So no matter what, it's no not going to be what, done. The loser will, will appeal, whoever that is. So we're looking at this will probably take at least a year to resolve. And if it ever got to the Supreme Court, then we're looking at an even longer process. Be sure to check out all of Professor McCann's articles on sportsillustrated.com and follow him on Twitter at McCann Sports Law. Thanks for listening to the UNH Law Podcast. Learn more about us by visiting law.unh.edu or following UNH Law on social media. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Opinions discussed are solely the opinion of the faculty or host and do not constitute legal advice or necessarily represent the official views of the University of New Hampshire.